Do you want to say anything to all the viewers? Wait, what do you have to say about the number 45 model that you tried yesterday? Oh, good gosh, that thing's insane. That, <laughs> that battle is so good. If Dale doesn't release that in the next, like, four months, I will be a very angry reviewer. As soon as we lose that, then uh, we'll become irrelevant. Cliche, but my eyes have been opened in the last two weeks. So I think we've logged three patents and we've got a fourth underway and then there's at least two or three more. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm in, you want a pink? Ooh, double pink. What is that? What? Starburst? Oh, right. When was the last time you had a Starburst? I don't know. Yeah. Need to do some workout though, getting fat. What do you usually do for your workouts? I haven't done much all year because I've just been working. <coughs> some weeks are just bloody 7 a.m. till 10 p.m., you know. It's yeah. Been been doing what you need to do. Yeah. Oh damn, that's good. Well, that pink starters. <laughs> um. All right. Welcome to another episode of Bill and Picklewall. You're the first uh, guest to reappear in an episode, I believe. Really? Yeah. You're. This is episode. I, I think this is 27. Mm -hmm. Episode 27 or 28, depending on if I want to... Yeah, man, you've been working hard. That's a lot of interviews. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some people that make it easy and some people that make it hard. <laughs> and you make it easy because you have shit... <laughs> I good don't shit, know. <laughs> we'll good, see. <laughs> good shit to talk about. Um, yeah, Dale Young, founder of Six Zero. If you haven't seen the first episode, then I would highly encourage you to watch that. I'll link it in the video below in the video description below, but uh, that one's great because we that's when I truly met Dale for the first time and I got to talk to him and have a conversation with him, um, really understanding like who he is in the back, in his background, in his backstory, you know, like spending like 10 years in Africa. We've probably spent like 20 minutes talking about that. Mm. And then talking about like the technology you've developed, which at that time, I really didn't know anything about paddles. I still don't really. Like when you were talking at the ambassador event about all that stuff, I had like, those, all, all that stuff was going right over my head. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, but also we're at nationals right now. So that's why we're in this hotel room, which this guy booked. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we booked, uh, an extra night cause our, our boy, Jame Martinez Vic has made it through the finals of the national singles and he, geez, he put on a display today. Hunter only scored seven points total. Yeah, it was flawless. Like, I think Jame made two errors. And um, I've never... That's the best Jame's played, and I think that's the best I've ever seen anyone play singles. So let's hope he can bring it tomorrow. I mean, he certainly turned it up for me this week. Um, yeah, um, this is uh, my first trip to the States in over a decade. Um, yeah, this um, pickleball beers has sort of gone a bit nuts for me personally in the last 12 months. And it's, I thought it'd be time to come and see what all the fuss was about, pickleball in the States, where are all these paddles going. And uh, yeah, I've been hanging out here since um, MLP. And um, yeah, that was 
feels like a lifetime ago and it was only last weekend and then uh, we stayed on for nationals this week um, yeah MLP that was a great event I was super impressed I was uh, not actually expecting it to be so well organized and mm -hmm. just the accessibility to the players like they're you know you, you, they're, they're, they're right there you can yeah walking past you playing right in front of you, you it's can cool have, because you can go up like, you can chat to them it's it, it's awesome it's uh, cool because there aren't any amateurs playing too so they don't have like all that there's just so much riffraff going on mm. at like an event like nationals right yeah so yeah the accessibility to the pros is super and cool. everyone you know I, I was surprised at how you know like i think they need to sort of <clears throat> sort out that that format where you like really get behind a team because it's like at the moment you're getting behind your players but they sort of need to get that like following behind a team like what what's the reason for me to follow new york hustlers not just because two of my players are in there but like you know so but you know because i had some tie to a particular team because i had jame and then we've got a, an up-and-coming female uh who grew up in australia as well kelsey grimbu uh, she debuted for the New York Hustlers. Absolutely, you know, killed it. Um, had a great, a great event, and um, yeah, so that was awesome. Sitting courtside and and getting involved in the drama of of MLP. And then like this week, we've rolled into nationals. It's been a crazy week. Um, I'm exhausted. I've only been here for two days. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine how you feel. I'm pretty exhausted. I mean, we've been. We're in an Airbnb and then they bloody shut the water off. So we had to move like locations into a hotel and then we moved to another hotel and like in between Jame's been training and then getting invited to Tom Dundon's house, doing sessions with Anna Lee. He's been playing a lot of mix with Anna Lee in the last week as well. Oh damn. Yeah. Um, so some of these top players are um, yeah, starting to see that he's, he's really improved a lot in doubles as well. That's usually what happens, right? They all like, they like, it's easy for them to, nah, relatively easy to like. easy to flick, like there's a big vetting process. Yeah, yeah. like the singles to, part, they like get through that. And then like the real test is usually like doubles, I feel like. Yeah, and you gotta do your time before like someone will like sort of bring you into the fold. But if Annalise like requesting you to play with her, then that's, that's a big boost, yeah. <laughs> that's a good size, <laughs> damn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we got the finals tomorrow, and um, is uh, they finished <coughs> that game right? Did J Dub win? Yeah, J Dub won. Yeah, yeah, straight. So that'll be tough. Like J Dub's, he's solid, and you just don't know what you get with that guy. He's like no emotion, <laughs> just ice cold. <laughs> I feel like you can't really tell where he's like about to put the ball either because he moves at the last minute because mm. he's so fast and they've like done studies about that but like if you're quicker which he's we talked about previously about how he like works out and like he trains that whole group yeah like Gabriel yeah. Dylan and all them it's the best group and the best yeah. training squad in the world for sure and if you want to make it as pros and up and come on do your best to get in that yeah. squad because there's it's such a, like good physical and mental shape they're disciplined and they treat it as a business yeah. And they've got tacticians, you know, real qualified coaches who've been doing pickleball for a couple of years and, and can read His the mom. game. His mom. His mom's and, an OG. Yeah, that squad, their wrist snaps are like unbelievable. James Ignadwich, um, Tardio, and Dylan and um, 
and J Dub. Their snaps and yeah. their snaps are a level above everyone else, and players can certainly take a leaf out of it's that. A young cat named Jack Monroe who's saying that that's going to be the next like big thing. That's like it was like prospect was for like twenty twenty four is more wrist snapping. You're gonna see it from like younger uh, players. J Dub doesn't even move his arm. He's like sitting there, and it's just like the ball is like it's the last split and then he snaps his wrist and the power that comes off it it's it, it it's 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 impressive to see especially if it live. comes off of franklin <laughs> <laughs> well they had to make him a new paddle for him yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know what's going on with franklin when they're going to bring something innovative out and uh it shows that Money can't buy you everything. They have to have tons of money, but they can't get the technology. I don't understand like why these big brands aren't investing in a, an engineer or a product development. Like it, it beggars belief. Like yeah, I mean, we've talked about that as well in terms of like brands that have risen this year and brands that have fallen, and and it's really those brands who haven't innovated who haven't kept up with the pace of of what the best paddle tech is and it's not hard to keep up because they can all bloody copy yeah and everyone else is copying there's been a thousand garage brands start up using thermoform tech in the last 12 months so there's really no excuse for those big brands not to to be on that leading edge how, well how are you making sure that like your stuff that you're working on now because we went to this ambassador event that was awesome we can get into that but like how are you making sure that your technology yeah get? so you know for those who don't know the the carbon seam around the edge of a of a thermoform paddle um originated from six zero and um yeah we we really should have patented that technology so any new innovations that we're, we're and, and every brand's using that now so yeah, anything that we, any new innovation has been patenting. So I think we've logged three patents and we've got a fourth underway and then there's at least two or three more um, that I've got to write up. But there's a lot of work in putting a patent together. Rafa was and then there's that. a long time between uh, submission and granting. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process and then it's, um, you know, then, you know, uh, in between, a company might ignore and decide that they're just going to copy anyway and run the run the gauntlet of being sued down the track. What happens if a patent is in process mm. of being like approved? Like you've already submitted it. What if someone does does that? Like a company instead of like waiting till it to be mm. denied or approved, they just do it while you're in. Well, I'm not a legal expert, but my understanding is that once you lodge a patent and it's patent pending or under application, then it's it's logged. So if somebody comes and follows and tries to copy what you believe you've patented, yeah. then you can send them a, a, a notice mm. and say, hey, look, we're, we've already got this under patent, please stop. Um, or cease and desist is what the, the, the lawyer terminology would be. Um, you, you can also license, um, do a licensing agreement, but um, yeah, it's generally um, if they choose to ignore, then once the patent's granted, then you can take action, and then they can be penalised. 
you know, about, so they'll be penalised on any revenue they've generated. It might be a multiple of that revenue. Yeah. So I think, I think I was forwarded some research where like an average like um, patent infringement um, law case is four years in the making. So, you know, you've got two years to get granted, then it's another two years battling in court. It's an average of a $2 million lawsuit for a $4 million return. So it's got to be substantial to, to move forward. Yeah. <coughs> That's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, but we can talk about the pads before we can talk more about the paddles, which is super sweet. Um, yeah, so that ambassador event, you, Bodie, your entire team, like held that ambassador event, which was, was that yesterday? It's been Last long. night. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been long days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you held, had that event, and then like, I feel like a lot of quick message from one of my favorite sponsors. Actually, the reason they're my favorite sponsor is because I was wearing their clothes even before I started this YouTube channel. If you're like me, you're tired of wearing that like thick, really heavy cotton t-shirt. It's uncomfortable. It's like itchy. It's heavy. It's not really breathable and it's not really versatile either. What I really like about Viore is you can buy one of the t-shirts and wear it in whatever you're doing. Maybe you're going out to dinner. Maybe you're going out to play a sport. Maybe you're just lounging at home. What's great is like that material feels good throughout the entire day. Whether it's the shirts or pullovers, they're all really lightweight and super soft, which makes it great for any activity. Go to viori.com building pickleball and you'll receive 20% off your first purchase as well as free shipping on any orders of $75 or more, as well as free returns. Enjoy the rest of the show. Some people didn't know what to expect, and some people were like, cool, he's gonna like talk about the Infinity. But then you like also talked about the Ruby, and then you also had a ton of prototypes, which Chris Olson got a hold of one of the prototypes, number 45, and that, I haven't seen a ball travel that fast, like off a serve, like in person. And it wasn't just me, like his brother was even like, that's insane, and then Jeff yeah. Lee was playing, they were just like. That thing's a bazooka, so yeah. <laughs> It flies, the, but you know, there's, the there's, there's like, well, you know, each paddle has its own unique characteristics. So that one is like got, got it, got um, next level um, power and, and and spring or pop off the off the face. But I mean, with that, then you you've got that the compens the the. the yeah, you know, generally when you've got a power paddle, then you're compensating the control side. So you know that thing. You you literally, you, you literally, if you, you can't even do arm swing if you, you just like a little wrist on on your ground strokes, and it's like boom. So at the net, it's lethal for sure. Damn. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see where USAPA take their uh, guidelines moving forward. Um, power test. Well, the constitution of restitution, or as Ben Johns has been pushing, the velocity in and out of a, of the face of a paddle is something they're looking at. I just, I mean, the whole USAPA seems to be a complete mess at the moment in terms of their ability to administrate guidelines and rules. And then you've got different tests being done between different competitions like MLP to PPA. You've got paddles failing in MLP, passing in PPA and vice versa. It's, it's, it's completely confusing for players and manufacturers. 
Uh, and then on top of that, you've got you know technology which is is pushing the boundaries or or, or deliberate. Some might say deliberately or or, or, or question. You know asking questions of the existing guidelines by, by purposely designing around them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just going to cause a reaction of a change to the guidelines. But then it's like, well, how's that going to impinge on the existing approved paddle list and those that have passed a paddle that may not pass in the future guidelines? You know, it's, it's a real minefield and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, at the MLP, there was, from all accounts, dozens of paddles that failed. Um, and then those same paddles have come to nationals this week and passed. It, it's just ridiculous. And it's the same, it's the same friction test, the same um, machine, the uh, yeah, same starret. So I don't know what's going on, if there's a calibration issue or, or what, but it's, it's highly confounding. <laughs> Yeah, that would suck to be a power company because if you are putting out products that have been like approved by USAP mm. and then you've like sold countless number of them and then it turns out like in the testing process like, oh yeah, this particular brand, this particular model is now banned. Like that, that's like a retroactive ban. I don't think they can do that. I mean, they're going to be liable. Uh, you know, if they've passed something, say like the new gearbox, for example, which a lot of people um a question i mean they've passed it so you know if, if they get uh retrospectively banned i just i think they're, they're gonna i mean surely gearbox will take action um you know if there was an issue they should have addressed it up front yeah you played with it though like what'd you think of that gearbox um oh look it's not for me to say uh <laughs> <laughs> from a player perspective <laughs> don't, don't put me on the spot <laughs> i'm gonna clip this part i mean i've looked at the technology i've looked at the what's under the hood and yeah. uh you know kudos to Raphael, i believe the owner is in gearbox um for thinking outside the box um and i think innovation in the sport's fantastic and having people with different lines of thought is it is progress. It just progresses the sport forward. And if that, if some, if some of these actions then require the administrative organisation to make real changes, then so be it. I mean, it's happened in other sports like squash and and even tennis. I think you know, um, having to put some further boundaries around. <coughs> Do I think that the the gearbox is dangerous? No. Do I think it speeds the game up in certain aspects? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, do I think it's an all-court paddle? Um, that's that's you know to each player to determine. But the the one I hit was uh, yeah it had a had a um, yeah I, I I won't provide my personal judgment. That's probably a good call. Yeah, I tried to set you up there. You passed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the the Infinity was released on Friday? That was also yesterday. So. I will uh, try to get my shit together here. Uh, the Vinny, the Ruby, and then the Ruby, the Ruby's the Kevlar one. What's the deal with that? What's the deal with Kevlar? Well, so we, we will be first to market with a full 100% DuPont USA made Kevlar face. Okay. The deal with that is that that face plate provides a subtle yet um, notable difference in performance. Um, 
It has a, a 3K cross-hatched weave, and that, in my opinion, that adds another um, lift in spin um, with your peel-ply texture. Um, it, yeah, so the general, in general, the properties that define Kevlar over, say, carbon is that the Kevlar is going to be more uh, high impact, it has a high impact resistance. Uh, it's a, technically a more durable material. Okay. Um, uh, so it will, it will last longer and not wear down as, as quickly. Mm. Um, and in terms of playability, uh, we noticed that it really has a, an extra, um, you get an extra level of grab and feel over the ball. It really sort of grabs the ball. But then contrasting with that is this nice crisp pop that comes with that. So it sort of fits between the double black diamond uh, carbon paddle, which is more on the control side, uh -huh. and our black diamond raw fiberglass paddle, which is on the power side. So you, you get this nice combination of power and control. Okay. So, and, and, and on top of that, it's just a damn sexy paddle. Like, it, 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 it is very, very nice looking paddle. It sticks out. Yeah, it's, sure. it's going to stand out for sure. <laughs> Um, so whether, whether Kevlar ends up replacing carbon, uh, I don't see a fast transition. Like I think it's going to be a niche product until the majors um, you know, decide to make a play in that area. So it sounds like there's like du du uh, the durability, like the longevity of that face, like the Kevlar lasts yeah. longer than, I guess if I'm putting it like layman's terms, it's not like grit, like, you know, people with like the carbon, they talk about like, oh, the grit's like wearing down. Mm, That's mm. not gonna happen as quickly with Kevlar? I don't think so. So you've got your peel ply, which adds a texture. So it's like a, a, a sheet or a, a non-stick sheet that has a, has a texture. Generally it has to be woven because it's a cloth, it's a cloth of, or material itself. And that's why when you see those microscopes, it, people think it's the carbon cloth, but it's actually the imprint, the impress of the, of what the peel ply cloth is, and then you can get get different um, grades of peel ply cloth um, that can provide a, a, a rougher or a deeper um, imprint, mm -hmm. or a, or a smoother or shallower imprint, uh, and it can be in different. You know, it can be in in what in in whatever pattern a weave can be done. So, for example, the Pro XR paddle, they've got a very um, uh, unidirectional um, weave um, on their peel ply, which has got quite marked ridges um, vertically aligned along the paddle, which, in a certain direction, will generate um, yeah really good spin. And the reason that that paddle is passing the starrett is that it's uh, very high reading on one direction, but the other direction it's very low, and then they average that out and it's coming in within a, a legal limit. But getting back to answer your question, the underlying cloth. So in a normal standard unidirectional carbon um, plate face, uh, all these strands are aligned in, in unidirection in, in one direction. So uh, with the Kevlar, it's a cross weave, so those strands that go up and under and, and, and so forth will create little ridges and, and, and troughs in its own. Oh. And then you overlay the peel ply and imprint another texture on top, so you're getting this complex um, 
uh, texture created and um, yeah, which I, I believe lifts the, the performance in the initial phases of use and then uh, you're going to get the, the, a longer-term a longer term, um, residual um, texture underlying as well. Probably because like if it's like the unidirectional one, like there's like less amount of I guess like like fibers, but if like you're doing the crosshatch, you have you're involving like more like material per like square like per like that surface area mm. if the ball were to make contact with it, right? You'd have like more touch points in a way. Well, I guess so. Oh. Yeah. That's how I'm understanding. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to this stuff, so <laughs> I need to break it down. <laughs> I need to break it down like like when I'm a five year old. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's different. There's many different weaves that you can get. Like I think Diadem's released an 18K. Yeah. Um, it has sort of a 3D sort of impression. Oh. Um, yeah. So you know, to answer your question, the the answer would be yes. If if the so when you're talking about uh, cloth um, per se, my understanding is, for example, uh, a 300K cloth. Has uh, it, it relates to the to, to the weave count, so a 300k cloth has far less uh, strands per unit area than say a 700k yeah. versus an 1800k. So you're getting a much finer weave. Mm -hmm. It's a higher quality product and should, in theory, be uh, you know, it's more expensive and more durable. Um, but it, the, the different. Um, Weave patterns used in carbon are generally for creating different um, end results in terms of flex, um, um, ability to um, move the, the, the cloth over um, corners or ridges. Um, it can be used to, um, if you're trying to get, like I said, certain um, uh, mechanical properties um, for, for your end use. So a unidirectional. Uh, I think you probably talked about this. I haven't seen you uh, the full RAF interview, but he, he goes into a bit of that, doesn't he? About talking about if you if you've got uh, a unidirectional cloth in one direction, it'll be very stiff in one plane. Oh yeah, the degrees. And, and it will be uh, flex in in the opposite plane. That was really interesting. Yeah, that was cool. And I think um, certainly, like that's what we play around with on our edges. Different um, angles um, for you and your dad. Yeah, well, more more in the factory phase. Wow. Um, yeah, but um, we, with my dad, we've just mainly um, been looking at different um, core properties in the last twelve months. That's yeah. sweet. How old yeah. is your dad? He's eighty. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? <laughs> if, actually, if I was eighty, that would probably be like something that would be incredibly like fulfilling. It's like yeah, I mean, he he's, uh, he's started playing pickleball this year. He's oh. really getting into that, and Damn. He, I think he just enjoys tinkering and um, and and, um, and helping out his son. And yeah, it's awesome. Where did that come from from him? From him, the tinkering side. Oh, well, he's a builder by trade. Oh, speak of the devil, it's Chris Olson. Uh, <laughs> we got to pick this up. Christopher, right. you're on speakerphone, and you're also like semi in this podcast now. <laughs> oh, I'm in a podcast. Oh, I, I always seem to find a way to make it into your podcast. How convenient, dude. <laughs> How convenient. Okay, well, I'll make this quick. Do you want to say anything to uh, all the viewers? 
Is this a six zero podcast? <coughs> yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> I will be on the next five uh, episodes of this podcast, and this was only the start, just so everyone knows. Actually, wait, what do you have to say about the number 45 model that you tried yesterday? Oh, good gosh, that thing's insane. That, <laughs> that battle is so good. If Dale doesn't release that in the next, like, four months, I will be a very angry reviewer. Really? Oh, I didn't even yeah, think yeah, yeah. it was... You, you've got a timeline now, Dale. I need you to get on it. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> good, good, Damn, good. I didn't even think it was. I didn't think that one was really like market ready. But if you want to, oh, it's 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 like eighty percent market ready. All right, well, it's gonna cause a stir. Oh, oh, it will cause a stir. It'll be it'll be great. <laughs> the game will shift. You know, I'm kind of enjoying not being the spotlight at the moment with the gearbox, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, if you're, if you're not making some noise, you know, people forget. So you got to make some noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. <laughs> That's great. All right. I'll let you guys get back to it. Sounds good. See you in a bit, buddy. Yep. See ya. Bye. Later. Ciao. All right. Where, 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 where are we up to? Oh, we're talking about your dad. Tinkering. Where did that come from, from him? What did he do for work? Oh, yeah. He was a builder. And then uh, he's been retired for like... 15, 20 years, but he what was he building? always he, he wants to, he likes to stay busy. So I keep giving him things to do. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, that's like the worst part about like that you see a lot of what happens to a lot of older people is they stop doing things. Yeah, they're like oh well, that's why. Yeah, I mean everyone's different, right? Yeah. But he enjoys and needs to do something. So good keeps his like brain active. Exactly, and uh, he's been a great help and. Him and his buddy sort of bounce ideas and make their own little prototypes as well. And then, and then we've got a, uh, a composites engineer that we also work with who's uh, a, a guru in, um, in computational modeling. So I've been doing a lot of um, work with him and just, um, yeah, really sort of trying to look forward to where the industry's going. and trying to stay ahead and looking at what's the end point for paddle technology. And it's kind of fun and it's a good challenge and it's like, you know, here's this little backyard Australian operation, you know, trying to take it to the, to the big guys. Yeah, and it's like, effort, why not try? Like, I don't see a lot of innovation being being done by many people in the industry. Yeah. So there's there's a niche and a, there's an edge that we can have at six zero, and something that we can contribute to the to, to pickleball. The most watched videos I've made or like been involved with creating with founders is yours, Vatic. Um, it's the niche people. It's the smaller brands, right? Mm. There's you guys just like I talked about it like when we we're in the car, but there's like a certain kind of magic that you guys create. It's just you guys being you, but you you guys are certainly like talented um, about what you do, and it's not something you can just buy. Like they can't just like come at it from like a top down approach. You just can't throw money at it. It's someone thing that mm. came from a grassroots. So it's in, like, it's interesting. Like I mean, I, I I don't necessarily see ourselves competing with others, but it certainly is a competitive space. That's a good way to put it. Um, and we just gotta keep doing what we do and keep 
getting better at it and and just step by step aiming to to do to improve and to do do better what we do well and that's our our space is innovation and progression and creating a quality product and a high-end performance product that's that's where we have to focus and that's where we got to keep pushing as soon as we lose that then uh, we'll become irrelevant yeah yeah just so. more meaningful when it comes from you guys though because that's what like pickleball is it's a like a community like small like niche oh people, yeah that's what people care about I mean I I've had you know cliche but my eyes have been opened in the last two weeks and in a positive way um, I didn't realize how much of an impression we've made in the industry until I've come here I thought no one sort of knew who we were but um, you know it's surprising <laughs> that um, how many people seem to know who we are and and know, know who the brand is seen a bunch of paddles being used of ours in nationals yeah look at nationals when I'm going around Boston man. you know suddenly um, getting you know, approached by PPA and MLP reps to um, get involved with the with their tours and um, yeah, I mean it, it, it it's it, it's awesome. I certainly feel very privileged and grateful for for the standing that we are in at this point. And as I've been saying, to everyone this week is also feeling a large sense of responsibility with that as well to take advantage of the great start that we've had. I think. You know, in a way, the timing was really ripe for us when we came in with the with the thermoformed edge technology. The market was ready for it. It's sort of been a stagnated sort of uh, twenty years of not too much evolu- evolution. You saw, you know, um, was it um, Electrum um, sort of launched that Engage Electrum sort of launched raw raw face. Raw carbon, carbon and, and carbon was a little bit in that area yeah. uh, with the raw carbon faces, the Gen 1 paddles, and then Eula introduced the foam edge and, and yeah. the aero curve shape. And then we came along and added to that with the carbon seam edge and, and, and you know, our flared design. And your shape too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so like we've added our bit and we don't want to leave it there. We want to, you know, continue to add and and evolve the sport in a positive way though i'm not here to try and bend rules or 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 get around rules it's like you know and and i think yeah we, we you can go down a, a whole um, rabbit hole talking about that stuff to be yeah. honest because the guidelines um, are in general pretty plainly written out but then there seems to be in some ambiguity around some of the terminology and and, 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 and things that can be done. Um, yeah, for example, the types of materials that can be used internally or externally on the paddle um, seems to be open to some interpretation. What's your thoughts on EVA foam? That keeps coming up. Mm. Did you guys ever experiment? Well, you guys had to have experimented with it, huh? Yeah, we played a little bit with EVA foam. It's not my favorite material. Mm. Um, why? Why? I don't think it's overly durable. Um, uh, I, I, I personally think that the way that it plays doesn't allow for 
full control over a ball, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's it's highly used in 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 the padel industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did. I also didn't go down the EVA front to date because it. If you're using a full EVA core, you're not going to pass deflection, right? So. Um, What's the result that people are seeking from using EVA foam? I think they're trying to, well, I mean, EVA foam has great um, acoustic properties in terms of uh, uh, um, it doesn't create a loud, a loud noise. It's, it's fairly cheap. Oh. It's simple to make. Yeah. Um, and it gives a really nice trampoline type uh, effect. So you get good power as well and it's light you, you know you can get different density EVO foams as well um, but yeah I mean in terms of solid core materials there's other um, other core materials which I have been focusing on personally uh, and it's really up to the use, end user to determine in the future whether they are uh, more preferable or not compared to a, say an EVO foam yeah yeah but I think that's certainly a direction that the industry is probably going to chase is um, is internally looking at at the uh, different core materials. Uh, certainly something we've been focusing on this year and like I said we're up to prototype 60 plus and each of those paddles has got something different uh, internally um, and we just then go and play with them and iterate and try and sharpen the pencil on what works and what we can potentially take to market. Um, and I think that will benefit the industry because those cores should be more durable um, and the playing properties are as good or potentially better um, than, than existing polypropylene cores. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think I've also uh, heard that um, there's some other... It's almost like we had 20 years of, of no innovation and then in the last 12 to 18 months, it's just like... Boom, and then a couple of companies have really started to push the envelope, and it's like, and then that's put pressure on the bigger other companies. Now they're starting to invest into R and D, and those that are will benefit, and those that aren't, I don't know what their model is other than to to, to copy, um, or, or just hope that what their existing products will continue to sell. But yeah. Um, I'm aware of some uh, some bigger players that um, are looking to come into the industry and and potentially going to introduce whole new, uh, completely different uh, manufacturing processes to to produce paddles. Um, and, and I guess thermoformed or hot mold uh, production was a a, a, a a first step in that direction. And then there's you know there's a couple of other options that you can look at like injection molding or um, uh, you know one piece molding or two piece molding um, you know different ways of edging um, and then I think we really start getting into computational modeling about looking at detailed flex patterns around paddles and looking at how yeah dynamic modeling off the face of the paddle and things like that does this all come from your engineering background it comes from engineering it comes from deep diving and researching and just learning as much as you can around the the industry that you're working in it comes from doing it comes from talking to other experts in their fields and it 
comes from you know visiting factories and and also other and leveraging from other industries and their technologies as well yeah 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 it's like something i got to see with like rafael was like uh he's like and the he doesn't call himself a pickleball gearbox pickleball brand. He talks about more like composites, and he also it's pretty cool. He showed me like a longboard. So like longboards are t- always like typically you're probably pretty familiar with like just board structures from like surfing too. Yeah, I mean my background like is surfing fiber. and from the water more than tennis. Yeah, uh, and I've worked in a surfboard factory as a as a junior, so that all that experience helps. Yeah, and I think there's some some parallels or, or some of the tech that's been used in the surfboard industry can be brought across into. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that. I think carbon's got a, 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 a um, an epoxy core um, uh, concept paddle that they're looking at. Um, I haven't tried their concepts out. Chris did, because we've, there's like, uh, Nam is like their head of innovation right now. And he's like been around nationals. And yeah, they were talking about, he said that whichever one paddle, I don't know if it's that, uh, one that you're speaking to. Yeah, I think it's an e. Um, uh, I forget. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a polystyrene or a or an EPS core or something like that. But um, yeah, the, yeah. This that that. I mean, what do we got? This is one of the ones that we've you know prototyping number thirty two. Uh, we just try to keep um, standard. Um, across each prototype, certain characteristics, like in this case, the face plates are all standard. We're not really interested in how much spin this paddle's gonna generate. It's more, how does the feel of the ball come off this paddle? Uh-huh. What's the power generated? What's the control? Um, how does it, how, you know, how does it perform across the paddle face? Um, yeah, things like that. Um, is durability something you guys prioritize too? Well, certainly, Before. like I said, these these um, paddles should be more durable than a polypropylene. Yeah, like the core durability. At the end of the day, I think with thermoforming, we've seen that people prefer performance over durability. I, I mean, there's so, there's there's so many market segments within pickleball, and there's millions of users yeah. now. There's a certain segment that we. Uh, that that the certain segment will value performance over durability, and there's a certain probably larger segment that will value durability over performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I don't I can't judge who those what demographics they are, but I would guess that, for example, a retiree person might value durability more than a than a high end competition player who is trying to chase performance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's usually like. The people are a little bit like below the competition who are just like everyday players, mm. but they're not really concerned with like comp- that competition level. But they just want something where like if they pay for it, they want it to last more than three months. Mm. I've seen that in a lot of videos now. That's just what. Well, I mean, about. I think I think um, you know the scale up of any new um, manufacturing process is going to have some teething problems, and I think Thermoform Paddle saw that with. Um, you know, the, the initial batches of, were delaminating. Um, I think factories were, some factories were probably um, trying to rush out paddles um, by, you know, setting off the, the epoxy at, at a high temperature so that the time uh, in the oven was reduced and that 
then um, cause the polypropylene core to distort. Yeah, so I think there's been some learnt lessons from, and, and factories generally seem to get that information shared or, or work out what's working, what's not fairly quickly. Um, you know, it's an interesting space, the Chinese manufacturing sector. It's highly competitive within themselves. They're all chasing clients. They're yeah. all trying to poach IP from each other as well, yeah. or they're selling IP internally. And, you know, it's a real minefield in itself. So <coughs> the factory that we're working with now is a family owned business. And uh, we've, uh, I've instilled a, a really strong importance around protection of IP um, now. Um, you know, after what happened to us in 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that comes down to them not sharing who with any other factory where they get their moulds made. Um, you know, everything is done in-house as much as possible. Um, and, yeah, and, and then also respecting a, a brand's IP um, compared to other brands. So... You know, we'll we'll develop a product and it'll get onto the forums, and then next thing, people are emailing and demanding that they have um, that the factory makes them the same product that we've developed, and and there seems to be, uh, you know, little understanding to no respect about how much work goes into developing a new product and the IP behind that. Yeah, and certainly factories need to respect that if they want to work with Sig Zero. How hard is it? Because I remember in the first conversation we had, you talked about like, oh yeah, we're going to explore what it would be like to manufacture in Australia after some, it's been quite some time yeah. now. What, yeah. Like how difficult is it? Uh, it's difficult in Australia just because we don't, we're not geared up for manufacturing. Like after visiting, a recent visit to China, you just realize how everything is nested in the one location, in the one region, and all of those resources are just at the fingertips. If you want a, 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 a mold machined or a, or a custom piece of machinery built, all of those supporting sectors and industries are, are there at your fingertips. And you can tap into those networks and you can develop a new product line or, or tweak a process uh, whereas if you're in Australia, um, yeah, some of that work might have to be outsourced to China, and it's just the timelines are going to stretch. Cost of labour is is significantly more, and then you know it's whether the government is a is also supportive and providing a supporting framework around yeah. manufacturing in terms of taxes, duties, red tape, and, and all that stuff. Um, certainly, the new products that we're looking to push or move into can be made anywhere and fairly simply and and it certainly begs the question of do we shift that um, outside of China for some of that production or and, and potentially to the USA as well um, yeah but uh, I haven't deep dived haven't had time to really think about that step yet it's it's a big step, um, and it would take some time to set that that up. Yeah. And a, the other thing is what you don't realise is it's not only a big investment, but it's also having the uniformity of production and knowing that you're going to have a guaranteed um, monthly 
you know, smoothed out production curve, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, and you don't know that until you've launched a product and it's in the market and whether it takes off or not. So yeah. it's, it's a big risk. It's been interesting. That, that it's, when you talk about that, that reminds me of uh, Elon's latest uh, interview that he was on with Rogan. He's just talking about like Joe was like provoking questions about what manufacturing is like. What, why is it so diff? Why is this? Why is the production of the Cybertruck so difficult? And he's like, dude, the designing is actually the easiest part. Yeah. But he's like, the production is the most oh, difficult part. The There's production nine- lines for that yeah. thing would be that all have to be recustomized. And, and and rebuilt and yeah that thing so I saw one of them yesterday it's oh nuts. yeah they're nuts oh it looks it looks ten a hundred times better in person than on than on TV it's oh, sharp I wasn't even a fan of the design I thought this thing's boxy yeah yeah but it was it was pimp damn yeah kind of like that Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile at Nationals <laughs> <laughs> that thing's dope too. <laughs> We've been dribbling on for enough. I've dribbled on a fair bit. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. All right. Um, the ambassador event was awesome. Being mm. able to see, like, how many ambassadors do you say you guys have? I don't know if I want to say. Oh. I'll delete that part. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mute that part. Uh, yeah, it was cool, man. That was like, I haven't been to an event like that yet, but basically, actually, I'm going to release the video on that, but it was just great to see that and like connect with different people. Like, again, you've built, you put together a community within an already existing community. You just like brought people together and then people got to like uh, meet and see what you guys have been working on. And it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice to see a strong turnout and uh, just, it's just really a casual meet and greet and opportunity to geek out on paddles. And I'm really um, stoked that um, you guys and the reviewers came and put an effort in. And you know, John Q flew out. Chris, yeah, Chris out Olsen came. Shout out John Q. And uh, Will was there as well. And Yeah, no, it was awesome. Chris's psycho brother. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac Olson. We're not going to keep calling him Chris's brother. Yeah, if you see Chris's brother, don't call him Chris's brother. Please call him Isaac. I think he's got a complex. <laughs> I would too, probably. It's hard being in the shadow. <laughs> he's taller than him too. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he thinks he's the better looking one too. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's a better player too, I think. Yeah, well, maybe we should... Have a, that should be Chris, Isaac, singles. Want to see it? Put it on YouTube. Yeah. Eyes uh, or yeah, like Isaac was there. Jeff Lee, John Q. It's cool to meet. Uh, or it's cool to see Jean May and I forget, always forget your, her name. Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey. And Kelsey. Yeah. And there's a bunch of your top ambassador too. Yeah, <laughs> Dalton Hess. <laughs> that oh man, that dude puts in work. It's awesome. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, it's it's amazing what um, some of our ambassadors have been doing. We're gonna try and poach him now. Yeah, but they can't. That might be the next thing is like ambassadors being poached. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, man, dude, I appreciate it. Like this uh, past couple of days, I, I was only supposed to come to nationals for literally two days. It was me the 10th for the meet and greet mm. and the 12th. Mm. I was gonna drive back to Austin mm. on the 11th and then come back. Yeah, on the 12th. I was gonna go with you, yeah. Oh yeah, there was that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah You're gonna yeah, come yeah. back and then, uh, but this all worked out because yeah, now we're, we're just following Jamé. Yeah, yeah it's all, it's, we're really, really just... Big day just, tomorrow, uh, big day tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Uh, if he pulls it off, uh, it's going to be a big party. Damn, this will be his first Nationals title, but he's won gold before. This right? is his first Nationals. He yeah. literally started the playing first nationals. like this time last year or didn't really get into comps till January. So it's How been did a you guys meet? He reached out on Instagram. Just slid into your DMs. Yeah, just solicited himself. <laughs> uh, like many other people do. Um, yeah, uh, it's like. What'd you see in him, though? That you. you that... Hunger. Okay. And, like, you know, we just hit it off pretty early, and I was like, you know, I'm going to give this guy a go because he. He wants it. He also had some good results, obviously. Early on, I think he he might have, um, yeah, had some good early results, like some close finishes against some top guys. I think he also beat a few um, of the of the of the top twenty players. And yeah, I mean, he had a good pedigree in tennis as well. And um, yeah, I, I just saw there was something there that he that he wanted to finish. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, uh, they say, you know, pickleball's all about doubles, but I, I think singles is underrated and probably will come up in stature and following. I actually think singles is more enjoyable to watch um, than doubles in many cases. Less dinking. Less dinking. I yeah. mean, today's match was electric. Like, if you can't enjoy that match and there's something wrong, it was... It was, and it, plus it's over in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> this probably should have ended 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I tend to draw things out, but uh, this is awesome, man. Uh, we're, we need to go grab some barbecue. Yeah. Have you had barbecue in the States? We had it last time. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. I need to get some sleep. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had a nap in forever, but all right. Oh, we didn't even go over how I didn't realize that checkout was. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. We checked out at Airbnb and he left all his bags in the room, went to Nationals and then got an angry phone call from the owner and they had to drive back and pick your bags up. Yeah, I had all my shit there. Yeah. Anyways, let's go yeah. see Chris Olsen. Let's bother him. Yeah, let's go annoy Chris. All righty. Ciao.